welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we are talking about oh, a very special report that has just come out from CoreLogic. They release it every year. Can you guess what it is? Here's a clue. You're simply the best. <laughs> It is the CoreLogic best Tina of Turner. the wow. best report. Oh, isn't she fabulous? I, know, I, I thought you'd be too young to even know who Tina Turner was. Oh, mate. Actually, I, I think I've seen a picture of you singing into your hairbrush as a kid singing along to Tina Turner, so I take that back. It was sheer. Thank you, Andrew. Now, <laughs> why would we bother looking at the best of the best report? Well, because it tells us every year which areas are the most expensive, which ones are the most affordable. We see which ones have increased in value the fastest and the slowest over the last 12 months and also what is happening to rents. Now, the reason I like looking at this is not to figure out, well, where should we buy? What's gone up in value the fastest over the last 12 months? Oh, everybody, let's go buy there. No, 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 that's not what it's about. But it is about seeing the principles that we talk about on the show, the principles that we talk about on the show in action and the data. So this is going to give us some really good insights. Now, Andrew, Take us through what is the most expensive suburb and the cheapest suburb. And I want everybody to play along at home. Think about it now. What do you think the most expensive suburb in the country is? And what is the cheapest suburb? So think about that at home. Lock it in your head. Lock it in, Eddie. <laughs> this is for if anyone knows the program Countdown or, or 8 out of 10 cats who's in that. No. Oh, Andrew, nobody watches TV anymore. <sighs> what is it? What is the most expensive most suburb? Most expensive. Well, for those of you that guessed Hearn Bay, you are correct. At a whopping $3.5 million. This is New Zealand's first $3 million suburb, along with St. Mary's Bay, which is right next door. And it wasn't that long ago, it was the first $2 million suburb. So last year, Hearn Bay was also the most expensive suburb at $8.25 million. So average property owners there are up $823,000, a whopping 30%. God, that's a lot of money, isn't it? That's a lot of money. Cheapest this year and same last year, Runanga in the West Coast, $193,700. And last year was $150,950. So it's up a whopping 28%, but only $42,750. So what does this show? Well, it probably shows how different property markets are across New Zealand. Average regional price for Auckland is now $1.3 million. Average regional price for West Coast is 350 k Auckland is 3.7 times more expensive. And you'd imagine that the average property in West Coast probably has a lot more land as well. And I think the other thing that it shows as well is that there are still some affordable places out there. Now, I'm not suggesting that everybody should go and purchase in Runanga, but there are some other affordable areas as well, which we'll talk about in a moment. Now let's come across to the highest and lowest capital growth over the last 12 months in terms of these various suburbs. So lock your decision in, listeners. Which has the highest capital growth over the last 12 months? Which has the lowest capital growth over the last 12 months in terms of suburbs? The answer is, for the highest, we have Woodville, which is in the Tararua district. Now, can you believe it, Andrew, that a small town, population 1,620, in the middle of the North Island, is the highest capital growth suburb in the country this Amazing. year. No, I, I would not have guessed that. Prices are up 47.7%. Look, that's, let's round it up to 50%. They have increased 50% in a single year. Astronomical. Now, 
that means that house prices have gone from 300k up to 443k. That's a $143,000 increase in a single year. Now you're probably thinking, well, how does that even happen? Because you've got lots of land, there's lots of ability to build houses out there, you've got a small population, only 1,600 people, and look, I don't want to mischaracterise a small town that I know very little about, but I can assume that it doesn't have a booming economy. I've looked at some (laughs) images online and I do see that there is a... uh, I tell you if you're there listening to send your hate mail to Ed, but you don't have the internet, do you? (laughs) Ah. Well, they might be able to hotspot from their phone if they go up onto a particularly high hill, Andrew. Now, oh, that we sound terrible. Sorry to all of the rural communities out there. But what is interesting about smaller towns is that they're very prone to rapid shifts. And what I mean by that is because house prices are lower, 143k shift in Woodville's price or average price is a big percentage increase. Now, if there was a 143k increase in Hearn Bay's price today that would only be a 4% increase. So the dollar amount shift is still pretty large, 143K. It's a very large increase, but it's a very high percentage because house prices were relatively affordable there. The other thing that's important to note is that smaller towns are subject to the surrounding property markets. So what I mean by that is if Palmerston North, which is only a 35-minute drive away, if a whole heap of people who previously lived in Palmerston North decide to move out to Woodville, it doesn't take very many people to move to start adding some heat into that property market because the population isn't very high and there's not very many properties available there in that specific market. So you can have a few people move across and start to create that shift, especially if they were already homeowners. So if you owned a property in Palmerston North, you've sold it to make a bit of a gain, you wanted to trade up to a nicer property or property with more land, hey, if you go to Woodville, you're relatively rich, so you're going to be able to pay a bit more money and bid up the price of houses. The other thing just to note, of course, is that Palmerston North and the Manawatu-Wanganui region in total has been going berserk over the last couple of years, and so What's happening now in Woodville is potentially a bit of a catch-up where people are starting to say, hey, Palmerston North's getting a bit more expensive. Let me try one of these surrounding or satellite towns. And in fact, we see this because Ashurst, which is only a 15-minute drive from Woodville, had rents increased by 40% in a single year. So this is a town between Woodville and Palmerston North. So again, people potentially moving out of Palmerston North, moving into Ashurst, bidding up the price of rentals. And so you see these small towns are prone to rapid price shifts if we start to see people moving around. Now, lowest, Sunshine Bay, the slowest growing suburb in the country. Sunshine Bay in Queenstown, 6.7% increase. Now, the interesting thing there, of course, is not that it's in Queenstown because that's not very surprising for us. What is surprising is that the slowest growing suburb in the country still grew by 6.7%. That's enormous, given that we always say aim for 5% a year, forecast on 5%, 6% a year. Well, the slowest growing suburb in the country had a 6.7% increase off the back of that town's economy doing very, very poorly. Let's come across to the highest and lowest yielding suburbs in the country. Everybody at home, think about it. What do you think's highest yielding? What do you think's lowest yielding? Take some time, lock in those answers. What do you think it is? Where do you think it's going to be? Andrew, Puts a bit what of pressure are they? on with that clock, doesn't it? Oh, it just sets the mood. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Oh, God. Uh, it's good to have you back in. So, highest should come as no surprise as Runanga at 9.6%. And obviously, because of the price, and the lowest, no surprise, is Hoon Bay at a 1% yield. Terrible investment there. And actually, it's quite interesting. If you look at the top 10 highest yielding suburbs, Three of them are in Grey District, three of them are in South Taranaki, and then you've got the far north, Invercargill, Kaipara. Of your lowest yielding suburbs, eight of them out of ten are in Auckland, and two of them are in Queenstown. Probably no great surprises there. So what does this show? Well, expensive houses are low yielding. If you've been listening to the show since the start, then you probably knew that. Cheap houses are high yielding. And I think the thing that you can probably expect is that over the next wee bit, I'd expect house prices in both South Taranaki and the West Coast to heat up a bit as that's where the yields are. And of course, yields are starting to become really important as bank lending becomes harder. But of course, it's not all about yields. It's also about affordability. So, you know, some of these changes around things like triple CFA, higher taxes for property investors, tougher lending restrictions, that is going to funnel demand into relatively more affordable areas. So expect some of these places to potentially not be as cheap as they currently are now in 12 months time. And the other interesting thing that I just want to pick up is I want to deep dive a little bit into both Auckland and I want to deep dive into Wellington. And what I want to ask you at home is what do you think the slowest growing suburbs are in both Auckland and Wellington. Just have a little think about that now. I'll bring back in your music to put the pressure on and think about what is the slowest growing suburb in Auckland, what is the slowest growing suburb in Wellington? Think about it. What do you think it is? What do you think it is, Andrew? I haven't put it on your sheet. I hate when you do this, Edward. No, tell us. No, I need you to guess. No. Auckland Central. Why do you think Auckland Central? Why would Auckland Central have the lowest growth? Because the sheer number of properties that are there and there's no new construction, it's all been dumped on the market. All the Airbnbs have been dumped on the market. You know, I'm very disappointed in you, Andrew, that you didn't get this. I wasn't listening to the question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the slowest growth in Auckland was actually not Auckland Central, though it was a very good guess. It was Newmarket at 6.8% over that period. Auckland Central, to give you your due, was 7.1%. So that was the second slowest growing. And again, it comes back to this apartment chat. Newmarket and Auckland Central are chock full of apartments, which, as we know, are more prone to not growing as quickly. And of course, in Wellington, I'm not even going to ask you because I think you'd be able to guess it, Wellington Central. Again, chock full of apartments, 12.9% is the average value change there. It's funny because that was on the list of places for the Infometrics report on population growth. It was number 10. But you know, if you just linked population growth to capital growth, you'd be pretty disappointed with that. And the other reason I really like reading this report, and you can download this. Producer David, just remind me to link it in the show notes so everybody's able to download this. You can download it for free on the CoreLogic website. And it's interesting to get that lay of the land. Where are properties affordable? Where are they more expensive? Where do they tend to be high yielding? Where do they tend to be lower yielding? And it just gives you this overall sense of the property market. Again, because I'm not suggesting that we all go out and buy properties in Ekatahuna in the Tararua district or Lake Hayes in Queenstown or Tō Maranui in the Ruapehu district. No, because these areas may have already had their growth. I'm not saying they have, but they might have already had their growth. The boom may be over. So we don't necessarily automatically want to say, Woodville been up by 50% or just shy of 50% last year. 
is going to happen again next year. We don't know that. But it can give us this lay of the land of what's going now and, hey, where might there be growth in the future? So I think this is really cool, and I love reading this report every year. Let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And, hey, if you want to figure out what is your next step in property for 2022 and whether we could be part of it here at Opus Partners, we have just launched the Next Steps video course. Now, this is really cool because it takes you through exactly what we do here at Opus, and it's got some quizzes so you can figure out, hey, is it the right time to talk to these guys or not? If you want to check that out, that's at nextstepsproperty.com or just tap or swipe over the cover art. We'll drop a link in there. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of using the property market. Until next time, 